Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown. 49ers. What's up, 49ers faithful? We are back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone Know How to Podcast. He's Al. I'm Zane. And we're coming off of uh, a Thursday night game where the 49ers had control of it early and let Tennessee back into it. It was a very good team, by the way, and let them back into it. And subsequently, the Titans were able to pull it off with the last second field goal as time expired. And a lot to unpack there and a lot to kind of talk about this week. But Al, I think that the big news is this week right now uh, for the entire NFL um, and the sports landscape is that, um, you know, when people listen to the show, they'll have found out already. But uh, John Madden passed away uh, this week uh, at 85 years old. And man, what what a legend. What a legend. Like, I, you know, it, he is one of my favorite childhood memories, you know, from football, listening, growing up, him, him and Pat Summerall commentating games, the all Madden team, the Thanksgiving Day games. Like, when you heard John Madden's voice, on a broadcast, you knew that that was the marquee game of that week. And obviously the Niners having the dynasty that they did and John Madden being a local Bay area resident, like he had uh, ties to the, to the community and all that stuff. Like he was especially kind of fond of the 49ers in that sense. Uh, and obviously the Raiders for obvious reasons, coaching them for so many years, but man, it's just, for me, I'm crushed, man. I'm crushed hearing that news. Like he was, he was one of my favorite people, personalities of football uh, ever. Yeah, in a lot of ways, he was bigger than football too, right? He's just from, like you said, we're, we're too young to remember him coaching, but he was just, his voice was synonymous, synonymous with the NFL. And obviously the Madden game too, which changed the landscape. You can't mention him without mentioning that. The Madden football game changed the landscape of sports video games. And he's just mm-hmm. a gigantic figure in not just football, but in the sports world. And, you know, for a lot of us, you know, our age or people, people younger, they didn't get to see him coach. And his coaching record, Zane, was 103, 32, and 7. So, I mean, Unbelievable. Yeah. Pretty, pretty damn good, man. Um, pretty damn good. And he won a Super Bowl, and he's a legend with the Raiders and wanted to become an NFL legend. And, yeah, just just much respect to him and what he did. Um, the sports world lost just a juggernaut today. They really did. Yeah, I think one of my favorite memories of John Madden, um, you know, I know there's a lot of 49ers stuff to get to, but I, but I don't want to – I want to do justice to this as well. But one of my favorite memories of John Madden was the Thanksgiving games the turducken that they had right with the turkeys the ducks stuffed in the right. turkey and like yep. we'll give that out right you know what i mean like he made it fun he made he he made football approachable for like the average fan and it wasn't like all this coach speak and all this like you know technical jargon that people didn't understand like he really paved the way for a lot of the modern broadcasters now and like you you listen to their their verbal uh, tones and things like that and their speech patterns like john madden like set a lot of that stuff up right like he kind of set the stage for a lot of people and like I said, like my fondest memories of the 49ers growing up were games that John Madden called, right? It was two things. It was Monday Night Football and John Madden, right? Those are the two fondest sort of memories that I have. Um, you know, John Madden called that 94 NFC Championship game against Dallas where the Niners won and the Monday Night Football crew called that subsequent Super Bowl, right? So I, I think that in that sense, you know, a lot of 49ers fans like myself are emotionally tied to him because of that, because he called so many big moments for the 49ers, both good and bad, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The catch two by T.O., right? Like John Madden was on, him and Pat Summerall were on the call for that game, right? And I will never forget, you know, just the just the shock that he had in his voice when that happened. And it, it's one of those things where where they they are larger than life personalities, right? And, um, 
you know, like for me, like I live just a few miles from where John Madden lived, right. And spent his time in the Bay area, right. Like I lived like 10 minutes away from where, where he, uh, used to reside. And, and he's a big part of that community and he owns a hotel in downtown Pleasanton here in the Bay area that people like to go to and things like that. Like it was just, you know, one of those things where it was the connection runs deeper than football for a lot of people. Right. Like we heard about all the stories of how he thought when he got inducted to the hall of fame, how he thought the busts would talk to each other when, the, when, you know, when the lights are off and stuff <laughs> and just, just super fun stuff. And he made it fun. And, and again, like you said, like for me, like I've, I worked on his game at EA, right? Like I worked on that game. So for me personally, obviously like I have, I had a vested interest in Madden and the franchise and stuff, but you know, the the joy that he's brought through that game i remember buying that first copy of that game my mom bought it for me when i was like 10 years old and every single day playing that and seeing the different iterations of it dude like i would probably say and many people like this out there are probably the same where i had probably 10 to 12 years straight of madden games every single year like throughout like right grade school high school and college right like just every single year i'm buying them just for the roster updates right and the, and those the small things that they would do but uh, man, just a, just gutted, absolutely gutted to hear that news. And uh, you know, rest in peace to the the legend of legends in the NFL. Man, they don't get much bigger than John Madden, really. They they don't. No, and I don't, I don't know if they ever will again. So yeah, rest in peace. He just made just a huge, huge, huge mark on the NFL. All right, right. Zane. Moving forward, it's never a dull moment with San Francisco Forty ers ever, ever. Yeah. Drama constantly when you think things are going well. Things were going really well. <laughs> Everybody was kind of happy. Everybody had kind of resigned to the fact that, all right, Trey got put on the back burner. Whatever issues there were, got put on the back burner. The Niners are playing well. They look like they're headed to the playoffs. This looks like a different team. The drama's behind us. We're going to get through this year, and, and, then, and then we'll move on to the Trey Lance era, but we'll see how far Jimmy Grapple is going to take us. And then it can never be that easy, Zane, can it? can never be that easy. A putrid never. performance. Thursday night in a game where the Niners had the Titans just on their heels. They had them on the ropes in the beginning of that game. Just mm-hmm. one more knockout punch and they were done. Done. And third, did the third down defense help? No, the third down defense was not good. AJ Brown was insane and Jimmy Garoppolo played arguably his worst game with the 49ers. Absolutely terrible. Terrible interceptions, missing people. Um, and then the news comes out that he, well, first Kyle Shanahan called it a sprain, and then it turns out that it was a UCL tear and a fracture. In between that, John Lynch had liked a post from somebody on Twitter saying to leave Jimmy in Nashville. Just And then he came out and said that he accidentally liked it when he was in church, which I'm sure he's not stupid enough to like that on purpose. I'm sure he did not do that. But I'm also sure he didn't like it in church. Just be like, I hit it by accident, dude. You know what I mean? But we'll get into all of it, Zane, but it just... Just to even say everything that I just said, from where we were a week ago to where we are now, I shouldn't be surprised because this is the type of things that happen with this team, I feel like. But just just the circus again, and I think I tweeted this to you, like we were things had gone on the back burner, but we've been in the circus tent the whole time. And I think we were reminded of that over this over this long weekend or whatever it was. Yeah, I think so. And the thing to me that was so striking was that there was a point where Jimmy had missed four passes, right? He'd only missed four. He was, he was, he was playing pretty efficiently. He missed four, but those misses were the interception in the end zone, the missed touchdown to use check, which was just a layup, like a layup of all layups. Remember Mullins had that against the Eagles and we mm-hmm. killed him for it because he missed it. Right. We killed him for it. Last year. He had that same throw against the Eagles, not the same throw, but a similar throw 
that may or may not have gone for a touchdown, but like there was nobody around Ushiek and he totally airmailed it. Same thing like Jimmy. Mm-hmm. The third one was the second interception that he had that he airmailed over the middle. And the fourth one was an almost interception that he had in the uh, over the middle to a linebacker. So the four misses that he had at one point through three quarters were just god awful misses that you cannot make. Like when he threw that pick in the end zone, I was like, man, that's that's really bad. You cannot do that. Look, Tennessee is a good team. They're not the Atlanta mm-hmm. Falcons, right? Like they're, they're a very very good team. They were number one in the AFC at one point before all their injuries to Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and AJ Brown, and of course AJ Brown had to come back for this game, and of course he had a huge game, right? They were the number one team in the league before, in the, in the AFC before all those injuries happened. And Tannehill, look, Ryan Tannehill is not going to beat you alone. At one point, he had thrown for, a, you know, he had completed eight passes for like 20 yards. Right? He 50, was not. 50, 55 yards of offense, I think it was. They held him to in the first half. The Niners held the Titans too. So mm-hmm. things were going the Niners' way. Exactly. And they, and they were basically, they were tied, right, at the end of, at the, end of the first half. So I think that, you know, when it comes down to, oh, sorry, they're up by 10. Sorry, when it comes to it. So. When it comes down to it, Al, I think that, number one, all the stuff that we said about Jimmy, all the concerns that people had about him, like, oh, you know, can he carry the team? Can he carry the load? That all kind of came to a head against Tennessee because the running game wasn't able to get going. They got away from that. They got away from getting the ball to Kittle. And to me, it's like, I like the number one, the game plan wasn't very good after that Kittle interception. Uh, first mm-hmm. drive, they were fantastic, right? They kind of knifed through them like it was nothing. And we were like, all right, great. This is going to be a great game. The guy with Kittle was not targeted after that interception. And I don't know whether it's a Jimmy thing or whether that's a Kittle thing, but when you're all pro, all world tight end doesn't get targeted for three quarters of a game that you have to win, you, you can't do that. And if your quarterback is limiting you that much, then you have to make that switch, right? Even especially if he's injured. So after the game comes out, as you as you noted, like they they come out with the injury report. Jimmy has this UCL sprain and a chip bone in his thumb, which happened on a sack. Um, uh, in the I believe the third quarter, and he played the rest of the game hurt, and he did not play well hurt. Although he did have that drive at the end of the game when when he tied the game. Uh, side note, Al, maybe they should just like put blinders on Jimmy and just act like he's in the two minute drill at the end of a game, and he has to tie the score every single drive. Yeah, and that way maybe he'll just play better. He's right? a different quarterback he's at the end of the half and at the end of the game. He ha- he completely like he different. Completely and, different. Like and it and yeah, well. We'll get into the injury because the injury, there's so much to unpack with this for me, Zane, with, with the injury. But just quickly, more about Jimmy in the game. So he, have, he had ended the Cincinnati game six for six, right, on that last drive. Mm-hmm. He was 18 for 23 against the Falcons. He played very well. So that's what, 24 out of 29. And then he started this game eight of eight. So he was 32 out of his last 37, I think, if my math is right. Yeah. Yep. So that's, he was playing incredibly well before the interception and then just kind of all hell broke loose after that. And if you want to blame the interception that sailed on his finger, fine. Was that really the kind of the only ball that sailed though? I don't feel like it affected a lot more of his throws. I mean, the the Ushak throw was before that, just a bad throw. Mm -hmm. The interception to Kittle was just a bad decision. I mean, the guy was right there. It was a bad decision. He almost got picked Mm -hmm. off a third time, which was just another, he didn't see the linebacker, which, you know, is is an issue for him. So they were some really, really, really big mistakes. They were four huge, huge plays. And everyone was very quick to blame the defense. And yes, they gave up, I don't know how many third down and longs in that game, right? No, I don't even know. At the end of the day, they only gave up 20 points. At the end of the day, one of the touchdowns they gave up was on a short field, you know, because of, because of Garoppolo's interception. Um, 
you know, his turnovers had huge point swings in that game. So it was very hard for me to not pin that game on the QB. It, 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 re- it really was. And look, like I said, I, I've wanted to stay away from it with Garoppolo where like, because we talked about him just being a cog in the machine last week. I still think mm-hmm. that. But in this game, the cog kind of made the machine explode. You know, he can he can keep things going. He can make big plays, but he could also screw things up. And he, just being fair, he did that this game. If you watch that game and come away from it, come away from it and you don't think that the quarterback was the issue in that in that particular game, I, I don't know what to tell you because it, it it could have cost the 49ers a playoff spot. It probably won't. But um, at eight and seven, look, you know, and look, if you want to say two, eight and seven, I know it didn't happen. But if he gets picked off in Cincinnati, if that safety or whoever it was holds on to that ball, now you're seven and eight. And now he's cost you two games. So, you know, it, it was just for me Thursday night. It was it was. It was pretty bad. I was I was I was pretty upset after that game because it's hard not to blame that loss mostly on one player. Well, I mean, Al, like we could say that if not for the defense, not being able to stop Aaron Rodgers, they would be in much better position as well earlier. Right. Like he, you know, so I think that I think that like doing that, playing that game is it's, it's a slippery slope because there's so many uh, inflection points in the season that could say could tip a team one way or the other. And I think that at one point you, you are just what your record says you are and mm. you are what you are as a player. And I think that, you know, how much I've, I've supported Jimmy over the years and you know how much, it's how fair I've tried to be to him. But like, even I was like, dude, this is on him. Like this yeah. loss against Tennessee was on him. And yeah, the, the third down defense was atrocious. Like they couldn't get off the field. They were giving up third and 28s and they're giving up like silly Fred Warner with a silly missed tackle on the last drive of the game to let Tannehill scramble, get a first down. Like it's just, you know, they, they had their breakdowns, but I think that like, I'll put it this way, Al. I think that the 49ers are not good enough as a team to make up for Jimmy Garoppolo's mistakes right now. And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. is not a good enough quarterback to make up for the team's mistakes when the team makes mistakes. Right. I think there's a reciprocal thing going on here, right? It's, it's very different than we always talk about 2019. It's very different 2019. It's very different than other teams uh, that have a quarterback that's kind of just like, you know, like uh, um, Mac Jones in New England, right? Like they, the, the rest of their team is good enough to kind of pick up the slack. But I, I don't think the Niners are, are good enough to be able to do that. I, I mean, they're a playoff team. Yes, I think they're mm. a playoff team. I think they're a playoff caliber team. But I don't think that they're one of the elite teams. And if you don't have an elite quarterback, uh, you have to have something that's elite somewhere else, right? And right now, their their best pass rusher is Nick Bosa, who's elite. The linebacking group, Al Shair, is basically done for the rest of the year with mm-hmm. the MCL injury, most likely. And you're relying on Greenlaw, who hasn't been able to stay healthy, and Fred Warner, who's had a down year. Uh, the secondary, the, the corners are bad. Norman is is you know just really really he's just literally just a placeholder for this year they, until they get draft pick next year or sign right. a veteran. And Ambry Thomas is learning on the job who, who played a pretty good game, right? So it's like you have a lot of things that, that your quarterback play can't make up for that you need your quarterback play to make up for. And that's really what, what's going on here is that they need that quarterback position to be better than it currently is right now. And, it's, and, and I think that that's why we'll see what happens with Jimmy's thumb. They haven't made a decision yet. Um, but, I, but I think that, Al, they can't, you can't possibly play Jimmy. Like, here, here's the thing, Al. I'm about to go off on a little little rant here, a little short rant. Whenever people want to believe about what the team said and didn't say about the injury and disclosing it to the media, there's one thing that I do know that we've seen from Jimmy Garoppolo is that he does not play well when he's hurt. Like when mm-hmm. something's bothering him, 
like he can't he, like he he can't overcome that whether it's the ankle the the thumb in this game something else like there's certain players that like they can kind of like elevate their game when they're hurt i don't think jimmy's one of those people right like and that's not to say he has a low pain tolerance like these are nfl athletes their pain tolerance is off the charts compared to the normal person right right but in terms of like how it affects his play i i don't think that he's one of those guys that can play well when he's hurt and that being said like you know, we're going to talk about Trey in a little bit, but I think that like the the decision for the 49ers should be easy. Trey missed a week, right? For the same sort of injury. It seemed like it wasn't even as severe as Jimmy has. He missed a week earlier this year. I think that Jimmy's at least gone for this week and probably has taken his last nap as a 49er. Well, I think it, yeah, it'll depend on how Lance plays, you know, you know, if Lance does well, but if they get to the playoffs and, and Lance is doing terribly and they win despite of him, Garoppolo is ready. I, I guess you could see maybe Jimmy come back in. If that's the case, yeah. but yeah, that's that's kind of getting ahead of ourselves right now. The the thing with this saying, and if anybody listens to this show, you know that I've been you know critical, and and I haven't really liked the way things have transpired the last ten months. It, mm-hmm. It's just it's been chaotic, it's been dysfunctional. I don't know how you could say it any other way. From the off season, from them looking at every single quarterback in the world, interest in everybody available, interest mm-hmm. in Matthew Stafford, interest in Deshaun Watson, then none of those vets come through. And then you make the trade, a huge trade. It's not like they sat at 12 and took Mac Jones or they traded up a couple. They made a huge trade to move up to number three to get a quarterback to replace their current quarterback, right? So everything that the front office is telling you, that Kyle Shanahan is telling you is that we want to move on from this quarterback, okay? Then in the preseason, Lance comes in, they keep Jimmy around. They're giving Lance, it looks like every opportunity to win the job. He didn't, he wasn't ready. That's, that's fine. And then, then Shanahan's on Sean McVay's podcast talking about how much he wanted Matthew Stafford. They just, just every possible thing to, I mean, if I'm Jimmy, I'm two big middle fingers. I mean, you can talk about being professional, be as professional as you want to and still play for your teammates and his teammates love him and all that stuff. But come on, mm-hmm. when people are doing that, don't, don't tell me that that doesn't grade at somebody. So the first half of the season, things are obviously not right. And then Kyle puts Trey on the back burner and th- things get better. Right. But it just, it just can't stay non-dysfunctional. So you look at these, at these four days or whatever it was. Jimmy plays like crap. Apparently he hurt his thumb. Okay. He was not on the injury report. They mentioned nothing about it after the game. Not saying he's not hurt. I'm I'm not doing, you know, I looked at, I tweeted jokingly and I know some people have done conspiracy theories with this, him with the water bottle on after the game on Thursday, Mm -hmm. picking up the water bottle and opening the water bottle with his thumb. His thumb didn't look bruised. Whatever. I don't know what's going on in the guy's thumb and I don't think he's making it up. I'm sure there's some kind of injury there. But then Shanahan, the way that, again, that it all transpires, Shanahan has a press conference and he's like, oh, it's a sprain. And then I think somebody asked him, is it broken? He was like, no, it's not broken. And then you have Adam Schefter come out an hour later saying, I'm hearing that Garoppolo's thumb is much more than a sprain. And then an hour after that, it says he's tore the UCL and and broke his thumb. Where is the disconnect there? Obviously, Kyle said that. And then someone leaked it to the media that, that Kyle was wrong and Jimmy was more hurt than that. And if you want to argue that someone in the 49ers told the media, if you want to argue that Jimmy's people told the media, whatever you want to argue, someone, someone leaked that to the media. No, Kyle just said it was a sprain. It is not a sprain. He's way more hurt than that in that this was the reason he wasn't playing well type thing. So again, just that discrepancy, it just, I don't trust anything Kyle Shanahan says anyway when it comes to injuries, but just why, why do you come out and say that either you're lying or you don't know how, how serious it is? Those are one of two things. And then again, everything looks bad, Zane. You get right back Mm -hmm. with the conspiracy theories. You get right back with the dysfunction. And look, I I don't think, even if Jimmy was a little banged up and they knew about it on Thursday, Kyle might have been reluctant to pull him because if he knows if he does, it's a circus. 
It's immediately mm-hmm. a circus. And it's a circus because Kyle Shanahan made it a circus. That's why it's a circus. So it's fine. If you're running him back, fine. But you have to understand that you're going to deal with the circus this year, and they have. And now it's a circus again. It was a circus with that stupid like tweet. I know, I, I know Lynch did it on accident. But when you've put yourself in this situation, something like that becomes huge, right? And it's a joke for everybody. And again, you don't think, you don't think Jimmy knows about that, right? Yeah. Like that doesn't yeah. sit. I don't care who you are. That's not going to sit well with you. So now we have Jimmy and they're saying, oh, we'll see if he's ready on Wednesday. He's not playing this week. Give me a break. He's not playing. He's not nope. playing. We had Russell Wilson out how long? He's still affected by that injury, Wilson, I mm-hmm. think. So, you know, they, they, they admitted that Lance, when he had his start, his finger still wasn't right from when he hit it on the mm-hmm. helmet or whatever happened in the preseason. So don't tell me he's going to play this week because he's not. So now here's what we have. We have Trey Lance starting this week. And if Trey Lance plays even moderately well and they win, you've seen the last Jimmy Garoppolo. And I mean, Jimmy's only going to have two or three more games to play with this team anyway. But again, like I said, there's a chance if Lance kind of stumbles his way to a couple wins and they need Jimmy for the playoffs. I guess you could see that if Lance is not good. But odds are you've seen the last of Jimmy Garoppolo. But I just, again, the way that this happened, it's just so, it just seems so dysfunctional to me and just so comical comical and like a circus and I, I don't understand why it consistently has to be this way with this team yeah and you and i have have kind of beef that goes beyond like what we're what we're talking about here and, and how the franchise operates and stuff like that i think that right we get we get exposed to a little bit more than people people know and and it, it's it, mm-hmm. i i it fits the narrative that you and i have about the team that's all i'll say and I think that they are a circus on the field when it comes to this quarterback carousel thing. They're a circus off the field. And like, it's like when, when you're John Lynch, and I think, I mean, I think I actually thought it was, it was pretty funny. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I saw that happen. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, did you just do that, Lynch? Like, I, right. And, right. you know, they're just such silly mistakes. It's like, these are, these are mistakes. Like, you don't see, like, you don't see other teams' front offices. You don't see Seattle's front office doing this. You don't see the Rams' front office doing this or Cardinals' right. front office doing this. It's a great point. What other front offices do things like this that we just sleep, sweep yeah. it under the rug? Teams Literally. don't do this. They don't do this. Can you imagine if Pete Carroll's like for all the criticism they spend? Because I living in Seattle and in, in the Pacific Northwest for ten plus years, I, I have a lot of friends up there, right? Who are who are either Seahawks fans like from back in the day or recently converted Seahawks fans because they they live in Vancouver and they need a, a team to bandwagon off of. So they all talk about how Pete Carroll is so terrible and how he should retire and this and that. I'm like, bro, like this guy is one of the elite coaches in the NFL. Like, yeah, he makes this mm-hmm. personnel decisions and stuff like that, but like guys want to play for him and crap like this, <laughs> you just saw John Lynch do that stuff doesn't happen over there. That stuff doesn't fly over there. Right. So yeah, I mean, it, it was silly. It was stupid. They didn't need to do it. Like, I mean, now they're doing a bunch of firefighting and doubling mm-hmm. down on this, like, Oh, Jimmy's our guy thing. But like now, you know, your off season can start possibly in a month, uh, most likely, you know, maybe in a month and they say make a miraculous Super Bowl run. And you're essentially back where you were last year where you're like, okay, Jimmy's kind of a lame duck. Do we want him? Do we not want him? And Trey's hopefully ready to take the reins. But I mean, now, like, I think that what the, the thing that we have to do is, is keep perspective here. Like I see a lot of, and, and I saw your tweet about how, you know, this could possibly be a, a Colin Kaepernick repeat. And and I just, I just don't feel that way, Al. Honestly, like I think, I think Trey. I'm a big believer in Trey. I think that he will be very, very good one day, but I think he's going to take his lumps, and this is why. Colin Kaepernick started 51 games in college, 51 games over four years. 
And he came in here and he sat the bench for a full year. Uh, although he did play spot duty in a couple of games where he, he was basically like running the, the, the run out the clock offense at the end of the game. He had a touchdown against the, the Jets, I believe, in his rookie year. Um, and that was a blowout win in New York. Yeah. But he, for the most part, like sat for the, the first year of his career. And he sat for half of the second year as well. And they had one of the best defenses the 49ers have ever had, period, like on their team. Like they, they were a defensive football team. We know that at that point um, with multiple possible Hall of Famers and for, definitely 49ers Hall of Famers on that team. And on top of that, you had a Hall of Fame running back in Frank Gore, right, on the offensive side. Oh, they were on top of team. that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're a much better team. On top of that, you had Jim Harbaugh, whose offense is, was much, much less complicated than what Kyle's is. And it was a much more quarterback friendly offense. And Harbaugh has had more patience with his quarterbacks than Kyle does, very frankly, because Harbaugh mm-hmm. played the position, right? So he knows. Um, so I think that, like, I would, I would love for that to be the case, right? But I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Just, just from an experience standpoint, Al, like, it's just, it's just, it's not the same scenario for me. Um, like Colin Kaepernick walked into a team that had just, that was two Kyle, Fi- Kyle Williams fumbles away from being in the Super Bowl, And very, I mean, a lot of people were saying that very likely would have beaten the, that Patriots team in the Super Bowl that year. Um, so I think that in that sense, you know, the, the, the comparisons, I, I, I don't necessarily buy it, but I hope that, that you're correct in that. So we'll see how he does. And I think that, you know, we all have to, a lot of perspective when we think about this because Trey's only started 17 college games, right? 21 year old kid. And you're throwing him into a playoff sort of atmosphere where he's going to start at home for the first time. There's a lot of pressure on him. And I'm seeing a lot of people like, Oh yeah, you know, like he's going to do this and that. Like, I mean, look, he is a rookie. You cannot expect him to come out and light the world on fire. Um, Look at look at what all the other rookies have done this year, and I, I know that everybody else's performance is an indication of what Trey will do. But look at everybody else. Trevor Lawrence has not been good. Zach Wilson has not been good. Justin Fields has not been good. Mag Jones has been a game manager. So and, and Trey in his one start, he was okay, but I think he was put in a lot of positions that were not favorable to his development. Like there's a lot of a lot of first and twenty, second and twenty five third and 20, like a lot of those, those sort of scenarios where the team was taking a lot of penalties or sacks or both. Mm-hmm. And that's not conducive to, to a young guy succeeding. Plus you had Kittle out and Debo was, was basically, you know, the only threat because Ayuk was still trying to find his way. So I think that a lot of stuff was in motion then. And I think we have to keep all that in perspective, right? Like to, to see what Trey's going to do. I think that they're going to beat the Texans. Really. I do because the Niners are just a better overall team. And I think that Kyle, knowing that he's going to have Trey, probably for the end of the season to the end of this season and going forward, you know how he said that he didn't tailor that game plan for, for Trey against Arizona. Mm. I think that that's going to change. I think the game plan going forward is going to be Trey's game plan. And if Jimmy plays, yeah, they'll, they'll go back to that old game plan, but you're, you're, you're not going to see that old game plan anymore. You're going to see a new game plan for Trey. And I hope it's not him running 16 times. <laughs> right. And that's kind of why I made the, the Kaepernick comparison. Not, not that they're similar players or, or the situation necessarily the same, but when Cap came in, and especially in the playoffs, no one really knew how to defend him. Nobody had seen that. The 49ers hadn't really been playing like that, that sort of thing. Now, obviously, running quarterbacks are more prevalent now, and we've seen that type of offense a little bit more. But this year, the Niners, like you just said, if they tailor the offense to Trey, the Niners have not been playing like that this year. So there's no mm-hmm. film on that. 
So when even in Trey's six quarters, one was in relief and he kind of just ran the offense. And like you said, the game that he actually played, it was a really weird game plan. Like he ran the ball 16 times, but they only led to Mitchell only had nine carries. I think Sermon had one carry. So maybe Debo had one. It was a very odd game plan where they weren't using their running backs at all. So in that game, Trey had 16 for 89 and a lot of those were designed QB runs. Eliza Mitchell, nine for 43, Debo, one for 13, Trey Sermon, one for seven, Kyle Juszczyk, one for nothing. So the running backs, and we'll throw Debo in there, only had 12 carries in that game, in a close game. That's mind-boggling to me. Absolutely mind-boggling. So Mm. one, I hope they rely more on the running game in here. And two, I hope that, like you said, if they tailor that game plan to Trey, it could be things that teams have not seen before. And I don't know if they're going to show that much against um, the Texans. They may have to against the Rams. We'll see. But if you have, just for example, you know, we're seeing those Debo sweeps. Well, now if you have Trey back there with Debo, Trey might keep the ball, right? Right. Jimmy Garoppolo, there's really no threat of him keeping the ball, except for maybe if he's going to run for a three-yard touchdown or something like that. But in mm-hmm. the middle of the field or whatever, even you know, deeper in the red zone from the 15-yard line, Jimmy's probably not going to keep the ball. So now you have Trey, you have that threat. And you have the, the, maybe they could pass off that and, and that sort of thing because you have that running threat with Trey. So Kyle was talking about all these plays he was, he was excited to do and, and designed when he, when he knew he was going to draft Lance or we knew he had the possibility to do that. Let's maybe we see that. Maybe teams are like, oh shit, oh, we didn't see that. You know, we didn't see that coming, right? Yep. Maybe Kyle has things in his bag that he can pull out. And if the Niners get to the playoffs here at 10 and seven or nine and eight, even whatever it is, and they go to the playoffs and it's a few games of, oh man, we didn't, we don't know where, where that came from. It could, they could maybe win a couple playoff games. Who, who knows? And that's where I'm at with the Kaepernick comparison. Because if you remember that game against the Packers in the playoffs, that was just stuff where you're like, what is this? You know, with him running and yeah. throwing, just, he was just, it was just unbelievable. Um, and that, that kind of, because yeah, the Niners defense was, was great. But if you remember at the end of that year, the Niners defense was beat up. I think Justin Smith and Alden Smith both had shoulder issues. I think that's what was wrong with them. But they had not played as well as they had previously that season they were kind of falling apart towards the end of the year and they didn't play super great in the playoffs and um that particular season Kaepernick and Gore and Davis or whatever but but Kaepernick's play really really carried them so that's what I'm hoping to see is just a different approach from Shanahan and maybe a little bit of from the league where oh we haven't seen that before and that's a little different and obviously Trey has to hold up his end of the bargain also want to say this and I know there's going to be a lot of people oh everybody wanted to play Lance and, and, and he didn't do well if he doesn't do well, like you said, he is a rookie. And look at the rookies, how we've seen them play this year. There's going to have to be patience with this. And there's going to have to be patience into it with next season too. That's one of the reasons I, I was more, I was hopeful. Again, like I said earlier in the season, if he was ready, he was going to play. If he wasn't ready, he wasn't going to play. That's how they set up the season. Mm-hmm. He wasn't ready. I was hopeful he was going to be ready. I would have liked to have seen him get some packages here and there and things like that a little bit more than he did. But He's a rookie. He might not be. It's, he's going to take some lumps, man. He is. And you know what? Yeah. Next year, he's going to take lumps too. So I don't think he's going to come in next year and be Patrick Mahomes in year two and be nasty. I, there's there's going to be lumps. I, I really do think that that's going to happen. So, you know, look, whatever we see in the next two games or three games or four or whatever it is, know that patience is, is the key right now. And just because we wanted to see this guy on the field doesn't mean people think he's going to come in and, and set the world on fire. At least I hope not. Wanted to see him on the field, but know that there are going to be lumps. Yeah. And I think that everybody who's kind of predicting like the, the biggest, one of the biggest narratives and just one of the most ridiculous things I heard all year long, basically since Trey was drafted is that, Oh, Trey can do whatever Jimmy does. Well, y- you don't know that because you've never seen him play. <laughs> like you don't know what he can and can't do because 
you don't know his limitations and his strengths because you haven't seen enough of them, right? College is completely different than the NFL. They'll they'll take concepts that he was good at in college and kind of sew that into the game plan, but the game plan will not be the same thing, right? Like you're playing against a different different athletes, different speed, different strength, different talent level, different everything, right? So people are trying to extrapolate different things from what they've seen on film for Trey and things like that. And, and it's just, it's just impossible to do that. Like, I, I hate that. I hate playing that game out because mm-hmm. you don't know what he can and can't do. And I think that anybody who's, who's expecting him to do this or that, like you, you really don't know what he can and can't do. And, and when it comes to how he's going to perform and things like that, like, yeah, he's, he's going to take his lumps. Like he's, he's going to struggle at times and that's okay. As fans, I, I can see people getting impatient, but the thing is, is that like you have to be patient with development like this, right? Like he's the least experienced quarterback of the entire class by a wide margin. Actually, well, Mac Jones had the same amount of starts, but he he played in a different system in Alabama, right? So, um, and and Mac Jones has a specific role that he plays in New England, and he fits that role like very well. Mm-hmm. And they don't they don't ask him to perform beyond that role, right? So I think that Mac Jones is kind of like the outlier in this discussion because of what they ask him to do. But the other guys, like they're basically heaping the game plan on those other guys and, and they can't handle it because they're too young. So I think that we also have to kind of pare back our own expectations of what Trey will do and kind of focus on the long view here because it's not about just this season. And I tweeted out that earlier this week that the 49ers are, are in a good situation because next year when Trey inev- inevitably takes the reins, they're dropping him into a team that's pretty much a playoff contending team. And people will say, oh, well, they have 20 free agents, this and that. Yes, I, I realize that. But the thing is, is that they will bring some of those guys back and they will upgrade on those positions for some of those other guys that are, that are, that are free agents, right? And I think that when it comes down to it, the core is still there. And you talked about keeping that core in like this, this championship window or this, I guess, contending window with this core, Ali. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. That matters the most, right? And the core is going to be there for several years together. And Trey is part of that because he's on his rookie deal and it's going to allow them to add, add tertiary pieces to this, this puzzle that, that can kind of hopefully put them over the top. So that whole thing, we had, to, we had whenever we see Trey play, and he will make mistakes, every quarterback makes mistakes, we have to keep this in mind that, dude, he's, he's growing and this is part of the learning process. And I really hope, Al, there's one thing that I hope from Kyle here. I hope that Kyle, number one, doesn't use Trey in the same way that he did, that he did the last time as like a, a glorified running back, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, I hope that Kyle is patient with the lumps. Because one thing that happened with Jimmy Garoppolo here was that when Jimmy started going off script, Kyle didn't like that. He didn't like that. He, he wanted Jimmy to stay on script. And this happened in the offseason between 2017 and 2018. And there was a distinct difference with how Jimmy played. And there's always been a difference with how he's played. Kyle's one of those guys going off script. We know this, right? He's notoriously meticulous about how he, how he wants his quarterbacks to throw, where to go with the ball, and when it should be delivered. We know this, right? Like, that's how he operates his offense. So my hope and prayer to the football gods is that if and when Trey struggles, that Kyle is able to let him work through it and not just be like, you know what? You don't do this well, so we're just never going to do this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. we're not going to work on it at all. We're just going to take this part out right? Like you are reciting the alphabet and you can't get LMNOP correctly. So we're just going to take that part out of the alphabet instead of working with you to try to improve it. I, I hope he doesn't do that because that's, that's pretty much what he did with Jimmy, right? And for better or for worse, that's what happened. But that's part of being a, a head coach as well, right? It's developing your quarterback, your young quarterback the right way. 
And that's that's what I hope he does. And the second thing, Al, I didn't get to talk about this. Um, we kind of glossed over it, but the injury thing uh, with how the Niners handled their their players that are injured, they've actually done this with a, a lot of other players. Where you know, last year with Kwan Williams and and Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. Remember, I don't know if you remember, they're like, oh, uh, actually Wilson Jr. was this year. Like, oh, their injuries were actually more severe than initially thought, and they're actually going to miss way more time than we actually thought they would. Uh, it, it's kind of a trend with this team, and I don't know if it's like. We, we, we look at it more because it's a quarterback position, but I feel like it's a general trend with these guys where it's like, they don't, they disclose one thing and then it turns out being something completely different. That's, that's, that's all. Mm-hmm. And with the Jimmy thing, I, I just think that personally, I just think that's probably Jimmy, not even disclosing that he's hurt and not even telling anybody that he's hurt. Cause this is multiple times it's happened with him. Right. Or later on way down the line, we found out that he was hurt and way down the line. We're like, Oh, it's actually a really significant injury. Like, He's just not, t- I just feel like he's just not telling people that he's hurt until he just is so bad that people are like, Hey, yo, what the hell's wrong with you? And then he's forced to say something, right? That's just my, or his camp is forced to say something. That's just my thought on it. Didn't that happen last year too, with the ankle though, early in the season where he came back and he's like, it's worse than we thought it was, or, or he said yep, it's worse exactly. than the team thought it were, whatever. It's just, it's all what's going on. Yep. That's kind of where exactly. I, I get with it. It's like, it's frustrating. It, it really is. Yep. I want to hit on one thing you said though, about you we were talking about how if Kyle is going to get frustrated with Lance where I'm interested Mm. to see where this goes, because up until now, Jimmy was never Kyle's guy, right? Mm. Kyle wanted uh, Kirk Cousins. Lynch makes the trade. And and again, Kyle's out in in the media saying like, Oh, you know, yeah, I had, it was a grieving period or whatever the hell he said. He had to get over that because he really wanted cousins, but Jimmy showed enough. So right away, it's like a a timid, like, Hey, he's my guy, but we'll see how it goes. Now, five years into this, and maybe this will hopefully be, it's not through his second winning season, it'll be a disaster, but you would think this would be a second winning season in five years, but it will be a disappointing winning season. This team was not supposed to be in eight and seven after 15 games. So it's mm-hmm. been a bit of a tumultuous year, but still a winning season and still a playoff year. And you can't turn your nose at that from a team that's made the playoffs four years and four times last 18 years. But now this is Kyle's guy, right? Now, now mm-hmm. Kyle's got no excuses. H- how Lance plays and how the team goes from here is, is on Kyle. And if it's two years from now and we're having the same discussion where Lance isn't the answer and they're hovering around 500 or, or whatever, could see a new call. And again, you're talking two years down the line, but then Kyle may have an issue with his job. So I, I, you have to think Kyle is not dumb and he understands that. So there may be a different way of handling Lance or, or maybe he will be a little bit coach a little, you know, because Kyle seems to be more about scheme necessarily than players sometimes. Mm-hmm. So maybe he will be a little bit more, okay, Trey's a different animal. Let me kind of cater to him. Whereas before it was like, Jimmy, you hike ball, you throw there type thing. Maybe he right. will cater a little bit to him. We'll see. But this, look, this is the next, not only the next two, three games, but the next two, three years for Kyle, huge, huge in his yeah. 49ers tenure. And it's funny to say, because like you're saying he would have been a coach for seven seasons before really, there's going to really, really be any heat on him if there has to be, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But just the way the mm-hmm. team went, he had the two rebuilding years. They make the Super Bowl, so you're Teflon. Then they had a lot of injuries, and you're still Teflon. And then this year was kind of a cluster with everything that went on, and, and there has been some more scrutiny. But now we'll see. Mm-hmm. Now is time to put up and start winning games. I kept talking about this window. They need to start making the playoffs, and I think they're going to do that. So whether they do it at 9 and 8 or 10 and 7, I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to – whatever. You made the playoffs. Good. Now build on that. That's kind of where I am. I don't expect them to win the Super Bowl this year. I do expect them to make the playoffs. And I do expect them to build on that moving forward. Yeah, I think so. And, and that's, that's a reasonable expectation. Like this is, this is year five that we're concluding, right? Like at this point, it's been half a decade. 
and it looks like hopefully they get in. Also, shout out, hey, shout out to the Miami Dolphins, by the way. Hey, thank you for that <laughs> win against the New Orleans Saints, man. Thank you for that. The Niners needed that. We'll go over playoff scenarios in, in a second here, but man, I'm I'm hoping that they can make it. I think that they will make it. Um, just by the skin of their teeth, I, I think that they'll they'll need some help. But they can clinch this week, right? They can clinch with a win against the Texans and some help. And, and New Orleans lost. They can clinch. So not not to interrupt you. I'll, sorry, I'll, I just this is I, I saw all that stuff with the Dolphins, and I get it, right? You're rooting for the Dolphins because, but I was so frustrated, Zane, because okay, the Niners. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, they need the Dolphins to win, but the Niners are one and four in the division. They lost mm-hmm. twice to the worst Seahawks team in a decade. They lost to the Cardinals mm-hmm. with without Kyler Murray, without. DeAndre Hopkins with with was it Edmonds who got first hurt on the first one of the yeah, running backs got yep. hurt. Yep. They let the Titans and Packers get away, and they had a questionable game plan in that land in that start with Lance. So to me, mm-hmm. I'm like, we're worried about the Dolphins. The night all the Niners wounds are self inflicted. So I had a hard time yeah. being like, oh, we got to hope for this other team. I'm just like, go out and take care of your business. That's where I am with this team. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. So I mean, really. What happens now is that if you run the table, you're in. That's right. that's take care of your business. Now. Yeah, if you if you take care of your business, you're in. Um, I think that you know that's why that loss against Tennessee was so crushing because they you know at that point it was out of their hands. Now with that New Orleans loss, it's back in their hands too. So mm-hmm. yeah, they had silly losses in their division, and they depending on what happens in the last week of the season, they could possibly end up with only one win in the division against a division that's been. The Rams, by the way, you mentioned Stafford earlier, man. He's been so underwhelming this year, Matthew Stafford. Second he's been half completely, of the year. completely yeah. underwhelming the second half of the year. It's, it's, I don't know if it's because he's hurt. We knew that he had that injury early on in the season. It may be because he's hurt, but he's just been, like, you know, they've just been, it's been such a weird, weird fight at the top between the Rams and Cardinals, right? The Cardinals are collapsing. The Rams had a tough time of it in the middle there, and they've kind of become resurgent as well now. It's just really weird. And I think that it's so unfortunate because if the Niners could have pulled off, if they get a split with their division, they would basically be division leaders right now. That's that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. If they would have split with everybody, and, mm-hmm. and the Rams, you could still get a split with them, right? So if you could have won one game each from the Seahawks and Cardinals and won that Green Bay game, you're you're leading the division at this point. And that's that's so frustrating because they're so close to that. And that can either do one of two things. That can give you a false sense of security and think that like, oh, well, we're not that far off. Or it could be one of those things where like, okay, well, we need to work harder to be able to get over the top to make make up for these deficiencies that we've had that cost us these games. So I think that Al, like I think that when it comes down to it, really like, will they make the playoffs? I, I think they will. Like they're they're well positioned to do it. Will they make noise in the playoffs? Probably not. But I think that it's a lot of valuable experience for Kyle, who again, as we mentioned, has only one playoff experience of one playoff year uh in the four years of experience that he's had here. And I think it bodes well for the next season as well, because you look at free agents and you hopefully have 20 plus million of Jimmy coming off the books. Mm-hmm. The cap goes up by another 20 million and you've got a new free agent pool that's going to be looking to cash in on the post COVID sort of cap spike. And you could possibly get some star power here in that's looking for, you know, like a, a quick playoff run or a team that's much similar to like how Richard Sherman came in here. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, he looked at the team that was kind of up and coming. So We'll see. We'll see what happens, Al. But I think that, you know, these playoff scenarios are kind of, I mean, it's kind of fun, right? You know, it's, it's stressful, but it's kind of fun to think about, isn't it? It's not fun for me at all. <laughs> I'm so, so over. Like, I remember when I was a little kid, I think it was, was it 1991 they didn't make the playoffs or 1992? Yeah. The year they 91, went 10 they were 10 and 6. 
10 yeah. and 6, right? I remember yeah. as a little kid, like I was so upset because one of their losses was like, like a Hail Mary against the Falcons or something. Where the Billy Joe Tolliver. I remember that. Minute. It was yeah, Billy Joe Tolliver in Atlanta. Yep. Yep. So and I remember as a little game. kid, I was so upset. And even going back to 2013, so my basement, I have, I have like, it's finished. I have a bar down and stuff down there. And I have like a big TV and then a little TV over the bar. And I remember I would watch the game by myself in my basement. And that was the game they lost um, the AFC championship in Seattle where the ball got tipped mm-hmm. at the end of Kaepernick. And I remember, mm-hmm. remember I was drinking Founders Scotch Ale, Dirty Bastards. I still remember what I was drinking. And I remember the ball got tipped and got intercepted. And I remember I was like so crushed. I remember just leaning against the wall and just like falling down like on my shoulder, like slowly, right? And not to mm-hmm. mention the 2011 and the Super Bowl, just crushing, right? I remember sitting in a bar in 2011 with my friends, like, don't cry, don't cry, right? Zane, I am dead inside right now. I do not feel anything. <laughs> I don't enjoy it. This is to the point where I'm at. I'm tired of the, tired of the bullshit. Win. That's where I am yeah. with it. Win. For sure. Not, yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm still going to go out with my life. Win. Get it done. That's where I am. I don't get upset anymore. I don't get angry anymore. I am so matter of fact, and I'm so sick of the BS. It's just when I'm done. That's where I am. So maybe, you know, I thought they were back in those 2000 years, the 2011, 2012, 2013 years. Mm-hmm. And then everything went to hell again. And maybe I'm just, again, just, just dead inside. I'm either to the point, what does Yoda say? Do or do not, do or do not. There is no try, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. Get it done. Start winning games. Start making the playoffs because I'm not going to shed a tear or be upset anymore. It's on you guys. That's where I'm, where I am with it. And I'll, you know, I'll always be a fan of the team, you know, just, just like any team or whatever, but I'm to the point where like, it's not going to make or break me anymore. I'm so literally just, just dead inside that it's get it done, win games. And if you don't, you know what? I've seen this movie too many times to get upset. It's where I'm at with it right now. Well, that's our show for tonight. And (laughs) I don't care anymore, man. I don't care. There is no, listen, and I always say like, you know, a lot of fans here are from, you know, the Bay area. I'm sure that listen to us and yeah, you're a Cali guy, dude, I'm a New Yorker. Like I'm a New York guy. Right. So like, you know how we are with our teams. I mean, my God, Mm -hmm. Yankees fans booed Mariano Rivera for Christ's sake. I mean, I would never do that. I would never in a million years, Mariano Rivera, the guys, you don't get better than that. But like we, there's just such a, so different on the east coast how we look at this stuff and sometimes mm-hmm. i'll interact with people and i'll think oh you know it's it's different here it just is there's just that like level of like i don't know we're just always angry i guess i don't know <laughs> right you're never I mean, satisfied always angry just how we roll it's, it's it's funny i went to i went to new york uh new york city for the first time in october um the week of that it was actually the week of trey start so i i missed i missed it live so i went i had to go back and watch it but that the the day of that game um, I believe I was out for like a birthday uh, dinner or lunch or something like that. And I went to New York for the first time and it was, it was awesome. We were staying in times square. Um, cause we wanted to stay where all the hoopla is and everything and, and be close to everything. Cause we had our, our daughter with us and walkable and blah, blah, blah. Right. So anyways, um, my sister surprised us and she came down from Toronto and, and, uh, it surprised me for my birthday and stuff. So she was hanging out with us too. And, um, you know, we were talking about like, you know, New York and like why people are so angry there. And like, we're like, why is everybody so angry here <laughs> all the time and aggressive? And she was like, dude, if you lived six months in the cold and snow and crappy weather and you paid more than people paid in California to live in New York and you had traffic like this all the time, you would be pissed off too. And like, 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. total sense. And it's self-preservation too. When most people you meet are assholes, you kind of got to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly right. So, Survival of the fittest. Everybody's right, an so. asshole. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but New York City is fantastic. By the way, I, I love New York City. It was a it was a really really good time. We would definitely go back for sure. Um, amazing time that I had in New York City. Um, food was amazing. Uh, didn't run across too many really you know jackass people or anything, but like it was it was really fun. I would definitely recommend it, um, especially in the fall. Fall's amazing there. Um, anyways, back on the back on the the, the wagon here. So the playoff scenarios here, um, really, Al, I, I, I'm so pissed about that game. I don't want to do any game balls. Like, I really don't want to nope. do any game balls from nope. the game. Agreed. Forget nope. that. Nobody gets a game ball. Um, looking ahead to the, the Texans, Davis Mills has been uh, unreal. All of a sudden, they put up like 50 points on the Chargers, and we're yeah. like, uh, no, you're playing he us next be, week. He might be a starter in the league. He really might. And, you know, locally here, you, you saw him at Stanford. And for those of you who live in the Bay Area, we saw a lot of him. And you kind of saw flashes of this here and there, but like he just could never put it together. He was just too inconsistent. I think the program at Stanford isn't really conducive to like developing like really good quarterbacks outside of Andrew Luck. And all of a sudden, like, you know, he's a guy who had, who had some talent in college who had some level of production. Like I call him like kind of like a poor man's Herbert almost um, because Justin Herbert was just, was just off the charts. Good. Right. Uh, and ironically, you know, Davis Mills, team beat Justin Herbert's team on the weekend, but I, I kind of think of him in that same way where it's like, he's like a diet Coke, Justin Herbert almost right. Where he's, he's a very similar sort of idea, but he's not quite the real thing. And that's not an insult to, to Davis Mills at all or Justin Herbert, but I just think that's how it's going to be right. Where you have a guy who just doesn't give a crap right now because he's trying to make a name for himself on a team that's really bad. So anything that he really does is going to be, you know, magnified that much more pro- positively. So he's playing carefree. And when you run across a team like that, that season is over and they're carefree. It's really, it's really dangerous. And a week ago, I'd say like, oh, it's no problem. But then like now with Jimmy playing the way that he did and getting hurt and now Trey possibly having to start again in a playoff scenario, at least it's at home. So I can say that, you know, there's not that pressure where Trey had that was on the road, but I almost feel like sometimes they're, <laughs> they're worse at home. So I think that, man, if we were to predict this, I, the Niners should win this. I think it's going to be much closer than anybody would like because again, like Trey's going to have to essentially manage this game to a victory. I don't think they're going to just give him the offense and, and let him run with it. Like he's going to have to manage them to a victory. It's going to be a, a hard fought sort of defensive game. And I could see them winning it with like a, a Robbie gold field goal at the end, you know, like, like 23, 20 or something like that. I could see them winning it like that. I think this would be one of those games where Debo kind of runs wild and uh, hopefully Mitchell will be back, you know, with Mitchell and Wilson. I, I think they're going to run the ball a lot and run mm-hmm. it well in that. 40 times. Do it. Do a ton. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it'd be one of those games, like just where they're just, yeah. yeah you look up and they they have forty five carries for you know whatever mm-hmm. two hundred and twenty yards or whatever it is. Um, yeah, and maybe Lance throws like twenty times. That, that's kind of what I think you'll see. I think the defense could play well enough. Um, what I do, one thing that teams seem to not do against the Niners, and, and Tennessee started to do it, just freaking throw the ball up, man. Like teams haven't been doing yeah. that. I feel like a lot lately, and, and Mills mm-hmm. has been chucking it, so maybe he will. Interesting to see if, you know, if, if they can get themselves into good positions there. But I, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to win this game. If they don't, my God. I mean, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. They can't be the Texans at home. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. You know, the Chargers it's, it's, laid, laid a gigantic egg last week. And if same mm-hmm. thing with them, so they don't deserve it either. And the same thing with the Niners. If they can't beat this 4 11 team or whatever they are, um, you don't deserve to get there. But I think they will. They have to. They have to have this win. It ha- it's a must win, right? Because of, because of the losses against Seattle and Tennessee, this, be- this is a must win game. Like if you mm-hmm. want to make the playoffs at, as any seed at this point, you have to win this game. 
And I want to go over playoff scenarios really quickly before we before we kind of wrap yeah. up here, because there's a lot of questions that people have had over playoff scenarios, and there's a lot of like misinformation. As I'm about to possibly spread some information myself, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a hypocrite like that, so let's see. But <laughs> but it, this is my understanding of it now. So for a wild card spot, not for a divisional spot, for a wild card spot, if there's a three way tie, it then goes to a divisional uh, uh, tiebreaker with how they these teams if they haven't played each other, they don't have common opponents. It goes to how they have uh, played within the division. So the first tiebreaker. But three teams vying for a wild card spot is the common opponents. And if they don't have common opponents, then it's how they fared in their division. Mm-hmm. The Niners lose that tiebreaker because they've only won one game in the division so far. If they tie with um, Philly and New Orleans. So the Niners would lose out on a playoff spot in that scenario. If there's a two-way tie between either the Niners and Philly or the Niners and New Orleans, it goes to a head-to-head tiebreaker, right? They got the tiebreaker on Philly. Mm-hmm. They lose a tiebreaker to New Orleans because the second tiebreaker then is your uh, uh, common opponent's record. And the Niners, I believe, lose that to, to New Orleans. And then the, the next tiebreaker after that is division, which Niners lose to New Orleans as well. So in that sense, if it's a two-way tie and the Niners are tied with one of those two teams, they're looking at no worse than seventh seed if they can mm-hmm. beat the Texans at that point. So uh, assuming that that one of New Orleans or Philadelphia loses one or two games. So New Orleans really has to lose once. Philadelphia would have to, have to lose twice uh, for that to happen. So um, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Philadelphia has has uh, what? They have Dallas and who on their schedule? Um, Washington, right? Again? Yeah. Dallas and Washington. And Washington just got crushed, crushed by Dallas um, You know, on, on the weekend. And we're looking at uh, for uh, the Saints. They have Atlanta and Carolina, correct? Yes, I think okay. I'm looking at that too. Um, the Saints are seven and eight, and the Saints have the Panthers definitely, and the Falcons the last yeah last week. Okay, so if I mean if Ian Book starts like they're they're losing one or both of those games, right? They're not they're not winning yeah. with Ian Book to start. Yeah. So there's, there's no way. Yeah, so I I I I hope that Ian Book continues to start for them if that's the case. But again, super frustrating cuz the Niners should not be in this position anyways. They they lost winnable games, multiple winnable games, and they did not take care of their own business and that's why they're in the situation with the Atlanta team. So right. so like I said, um, if they went out, they're in and that's that's where I am right now. Take care of your business when when you're last. Take care of your business. Win and you're in. Yep. That's it. So that's pretty much where we're at, Al. I think, um, you know, I appreciate you coming on tonight. I know you got your booster. You're, you're playing hurt a little yeah, bit hurt here. Yeah, a little bit. Hurt a little bit. Yeah. Toughing it out. Got, got boosted up yourself, and, and uh, you're toughing it out. I appreciate that, man. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, to add here before we get out of here? I got nothing. I've left it all on the table, Zane. I've given all <laughs> I can give. I'm done. All right. There you go. <laughs> and all right, guys. So for Al... This is Zane. Uh, again, rest in peace to the the king of all kings of football, man, John Madden. Um, all Madden team up in up in uh, football paradise is where he's going to be coaching, right? And uh, he should be the next the next cover of the next Madden game. John Madden should be the next cover. Just him on the cover. It should not be I a think, player. I think that's an awesome idea. I think that's great. All right, yeah, everybody. Fantastic. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you.